close call with death. Have you had one? I have. I've had a lot of them, but who's counting? In this session, we'll talk about the events of those of us that have come dangerously close to death and had the great luck or destiny to elude death and carry on. Enjoy the show. So tonight in studio, we have um, J.R. Slesky. He is a retired American short track speed skater, three-time Olympian, and three-time medalist in the Winter Olympics. Slesky's held a total of five combined short track world and junior world records throughout his career, including the 500-meter and 5,000-meter relay world records as well as 500-meter, 1,000-meter, 3,000-meter relay, junior world records. JR was a part of the team that broke and currently holds the world record in 5,000-meter relay established in Shanghai, China on November 12, 2017. JR has been um, a teammate of Apollo Ono, and has seen some amazing experiences in his life as an Olympian. And we're really grateful to have you in studio today. Thanks for being on the show. So when we talk about a close call with death, JR, um, this is really freaky because you've had a really intense one. And that is um, in 2010, Winter Olympics, you won bronze in the 1,500-meter and 5,000-meter relay. Five months prior to that, before the Olympics, you suffered a gruesome injury um, when you fell during a race, and your skate blade gashed a huge cut in your left thigh all the way to the femur bone and nearly severed your leg, but there was a bone to stop it. Um, So it went halfway through your leg, and no one really thought whether or not they didn't know whether or not you were going to be able to continue on and skate ever again, neither say uh, compete. And so um, your breakthrough performance was at the 2009 World Short Track Speed Skating Championships, where you won five medals, two gold, one silver, two bronze. And you've won three gold medals, four silver medals, four bronze medals at the World Championships. Dude, you have accomplished a lot in the skating world, and you're just in your early 30s. You started early. We're going to find out a lot about you. Talk to me about who you are and where you grew up, what your family dynamics are before we get into your story. Well, Bob, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, love sharing my story and and talking about my injury and, and, and whatnot. So we'll get into that, into that in a little bit. But first of all, my name is Jaroselski. I, um, f- I'm from Federal Way, Washington, originally. I've lived in Salt Lake City, Utah for the better part of about 14 years now, 15 years. Wow. Um, quite a long time. Yeah. Consider it my home now. Um, well, welcome to Utah and I hope you stay forever here. Yeah. It's really good to have you. Yeah. It's a, it's a great place. Uh, lived here. Yeah. Since 2008 and, um, can't find a good enough reason to leave now. So, um, good hope you don't. or, or I, I find too many good reasons to stay How about that. So, I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's a real, you know, glass is definitely half full yes. uh, with that attitude. Exactly. So yeah. Um, I guess I'll just start at the beginning kind yeah. of with my, my family. So I was, uh, I was born in uh, Fort Ord, uh, California no longer exists anymore as a, it's an army base. Um, that was repurposed in, you know, in the city of Monterey. So uh, if you go look up Fort Ord, you'll see it's just a, a national monument now. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I was born there. My, what a my, beautiful, beautiful community. Beautiful place, yeah. Uh, my dad uh, wrapped up his, his military uh, career there, um, got out of the Army, and then moved, moved up to Washington State where his family and my mother's family lived. Um, so I, I was, yeah, I was born in California, moved to Washington state soon after that, uh, to a little town called Federal Way. And, um, yeah, I, I basically, you know, got into skating because it was a family thing. My, we lived about a mile down the road from an inline speed skating rink. And, uh, my dad thought it'd be a good idea to put his, uh, three kids. So me and my, my, my two brothers in, uh, speed skating. And, That's uh, so interesting because you would think that maybe some of the communities around 
Minneapolis or, or, or places that get extremely cold in the wintertime or winter's really a long season there, that that would be a, a really popular um, sport. Yep. But so, so this was inline speed skating. So we were actually indoor on roller skates oh and this gosh. is like a popular, yeah, popular, uh, place to start for ice speed skaters. So I'll get into like that, um, kind of move from inline to ice, but yes, you're right. It's, it's, uh, Washington. It has produced several Olympic uh, medalists in the sport of Incredible. both long and short track speed skating. So, mm. um, and and it, it's all attributed to be because of this inline speed skating club um, called Patterson's West in Federal Way, Washington. Um, I got my start there, um, strapped on the speed skates when I was about three or four years old, and um, started getting really good. Um, my my dad got us into it because my mother was working late nights at work, and you know having three kids kind of different ages, he's like, why not put him put him in a sport? <laughs> keep him out of trouble, keep, keep, keep him busy. busy. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So he put us in in uh, that that inline speed skating program we skated i don't know a couple times a week and um it, it did just that it got our energy out um you know and, but it also got us exposed to um you know new friendships new new relationships uh got, you know we we traveled um the, the region you know washington uh, oregon idaho all over and then uh, nationals nationally as well to go to national championships and stuff like that so a lot of traveling a lot of friendship building and really taught us kind of, you know, the foundations of, of, of being a good person, uh, being a good sports uh, person and, and just, uh, and being in good shape. Exactly. Hey, talk, yeah. talk to me a little bit about that. Um, because I know a little bit about in just conversations with you, uh, in, in the past, what is that conditioning training like to get you in shape to where you can actually do the inline and, and skating, uh, competition? Yeah, so I, I think it really depends on kind of what level you're you're talking about um, with within the sport. But you know, just starting out, it's very physically demanding. Um, we do not just skating; we we lift weights, we run, um, we do off things off of the floor um, for inline skating and off the ice, obviously for ice skating. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, physically demanding, just kind of getting your body into generally good state of of being fit, and then you know from there you can kind of specialize and you know our, our sport if you watch it we're kind of hunched over in, in a semi-awkward position so it's uh, a little harder on the joints and muscles and whatnot and um I'm curious, yeah. JR, why the hunched over position? Is it because of aerodynamics? Is it because of balance and speed and or, or endurance? Why in that position that you're in? That's exactly that. I mean, aerodynamics is, is one of the, I guess, fundamentals of our sports. Um, you know, just trying to, to cut the wind if, if you're leading or in the front of the pack and then also kind of crouching behind the person if you're if they're in so front you're of like you. drafting drafting. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Um, and then also, you know, just to um, kind of explain speed skating is, is all about the levers. So if you are, you know, you're sitting lower, the, the more opportunity you have to push into the floor and, and generate uh, the momentum going forward. So, um, so that's it looks like so when low. you guys are like that, you're in that crouch position and you're going into the curves and you're really low, mm -hmm. it looks like you could just like fly right off out of the curves. What in the world keeps you on that little tiny blade, a sharp blade on ice that looks so slick. Mm -hmm. is, is it just really, truly cutting into the ice and keeping you up? Oh, it's cutting in. And it's it's all about trust, you know, leaning, trusting the lean, trusting the process. And tr I, I would say trust is like the one thing, especially because our blades are only a, uh, just a little over a millimeter thick. Um, so, you know, we're going up to about 35, 40 miles per hour and, you know, to, to pull you know, however many G's on the ice, uh, when we're doing those pivots and those turns, it's just, it's all about trusting the training that you've been through, trusting the, you know, the technique that you've built up over time, and then just trusting that the ice is going to hold you. So, so is it, is it in a way just like an adrenaline rusher? Is it, is it, is it kind of scary to, to learn how to skate like that? It is. It's definitely a rush. Um, you know, coming from inline, we skate with wheels and um, the floor is actually, it's wood and it has plastic over it to help us grip when we're skating. Mm. And when you fall, uh, you just kind of, you know, hit it and then you kind of skirt like to a stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you get what's called floor burns from that and just kind of <laughs> yeah. you know, burns, random burns all over your body. But when, when you're on the ice, obviously, and you fall, it's just whoop, 
right into the boards. Oh, um, at luckily, 30, 30 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. And luckily we have the, the padded board system, um, not just falling straight into hockey boards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's getting over your fear of falling, um, which is what I had to do. What we'll talk about later after sure, the, sure. The, the injury and whatnot. So how old were you then when you very first started? I was, uh, three years old when I first put on skates, uh, oh four when I first put on speed skates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 12 when I transitioned to ice skating. Um, and that was after the O2 Olympics actually here in Salt Lake city. I uh, watched that, watched a former teammate do well. Um, uh, Apollo, you know, he won a couple medals there and I was like, wait a second, like you're telling me this guy came from the same inline skating club as me. We grew up in the same area. Like there's, you know, several reasons why, or I just thought like, why, why wouldn't I be able to do this? He you know? just for the fun of it, talk about that knowing Apollo Ono. I like mm-hmm. he's world-class mm-hmm. Olympic, um, champion and everybody in the world knows who he is. What was it like to know him, hang out with him, be a teammate of his? Yeah, I mean, he, truthfully, he was just, uh, he was somebody I looked up to uh, when I was growing up, um, you know, because I was a lot younger than him, but my older brothers were friends with him. So you say the word, you know, the name Apollo, they're like, oh, yeah, we used to hang out with that guy all the time, you know, <laughs> just around the rink and, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, like I was, like I said, I was a little younger, so I kind of idolized him, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially after watching the O2 games and, you know, worked my way up in the ranks to the point where, you know, I was eventually his teammate and I was competing against him. And it was, it was cool to see, you know, he, uh, he respected that, um, you know, obviously I was from the same area. I had good work ethic. I was a good teammate to him and, um, good competitor too. You really need that in speed skating to, you know, to compete with each other at practice in order to get better, um, you know, because it's a really deep international field. And the more you can kind of challenge your teammates within your own country, the better opportunity you have to do well internationally. So so that competition wasn't really an aggressive, um, like bullying attitude at all. It was definitely supportive. And the better you were, the better your your teammate could become. If you guys really brought your game to the highest level you could, you both come out winners, right? Exactly, yeah. And you you, you have to look at that as a speed skater with all of your teammates. Um, it's only beneficial to you to challenge yourself at practice. Yeah. Um, you know, to challenge each other. Um, you know, they say, you know, steel, sharpen steel, right? So, I mean, it's the same thing with uh, with skating and, and, and being in that competitive environment at practice. And, and also knowing, like, it's, it's really hard because it's one of those sports where you train together as a team, you know, with your teammates. But then when you go to compete um, and to, to try to make those national teams or Olympic teams or world teams, you compete against your teammates there yeah. too. So yeah. it's really difficult to kind of get over that mental hump of weight. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I need to, we need to help each other. But at the end of the day, again, it's, it's, I need to, you know, you know, beat somebody to get my spot on the team. So, So, you know what, talk about that. When, when uh, you're talking about getting a spot on the team, um, that's one of the greatest feelings that, Hey, you know, you, you made our starting team. You're going to be competing with us when we go on the world stage. What's it feel like if you didn't quite qualify and, and yet you've worked out with your teammates and they get to go, but you don't get to. And, and or on the flip side, what does it feel like when you go and you look back and see some of your teammates that couldn't go? What's that feel like? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, kind of dissecting that a bit when um, when you don't make the team, you're obviously disappointed in the moment. But I think at the end of the day, it's a matter of how you look at it, how you react to it. Um, you can let it propel you to be a better person or a better skater, a better athlete, or you can let it hinder you and prevent you from getting better. And I think for me personally, when I didn't make those teams, for example, it it motivated me. You know, it was like a little kick in the butt, like you got to you know, do better next time. Um, there's no excuses type of thing. And then on the flip side of that, when you make a team and you see your teammates that didn't make the team, it's, it's hard because you know, like, you know, like I said, yeah, you know what you're going through, they're going through and they're teammates. So they've helped you get to the position where you are able to make the team to a certain extent. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, but at the same time, it's like you, you work for it, you know, you work hard for it. And, um, usually it pays off if you're putting the right amount of work in. So. Man, that's just like such a life lesson. 
You know, when you, when you look at anything you do outside of the Olympic world and, um, you know, you really try so hard uh, to get that job, to, you know, to buy a house, whatever. Um, and there's some setbacks. You know, are you going to just wallow in that? Are you just going to s- defeat yourself? Or are you going to take that as a learning opportunity and go forward and become, come out of it stronger? Right. So. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And, and athletics is just a little microcosm of the, the whole world. And it's all it's all similar in my in, in my view, too. It's exactly what you said. It's all, you know, regardless of if you're an athlete, if you're, you know, a teacher, um, you know, if you uh, whatever kind of line of work you're in, it's it's all a learning process. And we go along the way and get better over time. For sure. We learn from our mistakes. So, so you know what you How much um, understanding of these things, of these principles, do you get from just naturally growing up and learning them? Or how much of that came from your parental influence? Yeah, I think uh, my parents, they did a great job of raising me. Um, You know, I, they, they had, so they had three boys. I have two older brothers and, you know, um, a little bit younger than my, my older brothers. So one of them's uh, six years older than me. The, and the oldest one is nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, um, You're the baby, yeah, I'm the baby. <laughs> so by the time, you know, I, I was, I was born, uh, my parents, um, obviously, you know, had, had a couple sons that they raised already. And, um, I, I wouldn't say they, they took it easier on me by any, any means, but I think, um, uh, by that time they were like, okay, like let's let this kid figure it out a little bit more for himself. Um, it, you know, case in point being, them sending me off to, to California to train. Um, I was actually, I should, I moved down there with my older brother. At what I was, age? Only, I was only 14. Yeah. Um, so I, I was a freshman in high school, new city, new state. Um, and by yourself? By with, myself. Yes. With my older brother yes. who, who had just finished college. His name is Chris. Um, just finished college and was kind of looking for a reason to reconnect with me um, for, from all the years that he missed going to school and whatnot. Yeah. So he, uh, he, he was my legal guardian. We moved down to Southern California, a two bedroom apartment about a mile away from my uh, high school and um, ninth grade, new environment, you know, definitely um, it, it was hard, you know, being away from home and uh, my parents. Uh, but at the same time, it was just it, it was their trust that um, things would turn out OK. And that, um, you know, I had a good head on my shoulders from what they did. You know, they, they raised me from, you know, obviously, uh, you know, age one to 14. Right. And, uh, yeah. So a ton of trust. But uh, they, they think that it was their moment to be like, OK, let's let's uh, let's see if this kid can do it. <laughs> you know, well, it's incredible that they put that kind of trust in you that you could go away and do this on your own uh, with your coaches and your team um, th- that you could stay in the right lane to, you know, just not stray and, and do bad things and, and sink your own boat that you at that young age were mature enough or becoming mature enough to pursue a dream that most people never even ever get a chance to accomplish of being in the Olympics. Talk to me about what age you really were when they, people started talking about the Olympics and that you could be an Olympian. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I put it in, put it in my own head when I was 12. Uh, when I watched uh, 2002, I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. And 2002 was here in Salt Lake City, right? Yeah, in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and fingers crossed that we get it back here in yes. 2030 or 2034. Oh, I hope so. I think we will. Um, but yeah, that, that was the first time I ever thought about it. Um, but for me, you know, and like kind of, you know, the outside looking in, I would say it wasn't until I would say maybe 17 or 18 where people are like, okay, like this kid has a shot. Um, and then, you know, you start thinking about that too and outside expectations and you really have to kind of, you know, level set with yourself. And, you know, that's what I did. I said, you know, I had a goal at 12 of competing in the Olympics. It was in Vancouver, Canada, which is two hours north of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just my goal. Um, I, we have these little fingertips that we put on our gloves uh, so that when we go around the corner, we put our hand on the ice, uh, we're able to glide. Um, you know, when I was about 15, I put 2010 
on my my oh fingertips my with a little, every time a little Vancouver on. Olympic logo really? on it. Yeah, and I was just that's so it was just like law of attraction type of thing, you know. Yes. Just like bringing that into my life, attracting that into my life, you know. In hindsight, um, that's what it was. So, what did you feel like when you started beating people that were your idols before that would that you that you saw win these major world competitions and Olympic events? What did you feel like when you started to skate at the same speed and even faster than them it was it was a bit surreal at first um you know especially with apollo i think um you know guys like that um rusty smith all these guys that were you know former greats in the sport i, I look up to and then all of a sudden you're you're grown enough to where you can compete with them i mean that's a lot of it too is like you know and you're a little kid and you're just this little you know shrimp out there it's yeah. hard to compete with the big guys but um you know mentally we we do uh we you know but um you know and then and then you get physically stronger and then you're it's just the natural progression of sport you know you realize it and especially when you're on the flip side of it and there's some little kid that you were watching when he was eight you know coming up now and then you know the, the tides turn and then they start beating you it's just uh it's just that's natural just crazy yeah so oh and it's fun yeah it's fun um it's fun in the beginning it's not fun at the end <laughs> right yeah yeah because yeah, you're man you're coming up and you know your peak is close and yeah. and uh, as far as um the average age of when somebody gets into the sport and when they go out of the sport what is that age range yeah so i'd say um national team age kind of right when you start competing you know on the national team internationally at world cups and world championships i'd say on the young a end of the spectrum i'd say maybe 16 or 17 at the younger and then uh, people usually get out before they're 30. There's uh, some exceptions, a few exceptions, but yeah, yeah, yeah. late 20s. And those people are super sore every oh, single yeah, night. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's this guy <laughs> from Canada named uh, Charles Hamlin, and he, uh, I think he skated till he was 37 or 38. He oh. just skated in this last Olympics, and... He, he won medals at each games that he went to. Amazing. It's just like, one of, like, you look at those guys and you're just like, how do you do that? You know, he he should have been a worldwide spokesman for Advil. <laughs> yeah, because he exactly. probably went through a ton of it. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Just keep him going. For sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, you've had a heck of a career. You've, as I mentioned in the, the beginning of the podcast, um, just so many competitions on, on the global, uh, on the world stage, yeah. and uh, including the Olympics. Um, and I, I just... Everything is so cool. I mean, you work so hard, you know, to get to a competitive stage. Your body's in elite condition and you're earning your way to the Olympics. And then, you know, you do you fear that you're going to have an accident that could actually break a leg, break an arm, do something that would be a big setback? Do you fear that when you're competing? Yeah, great question. I, I think um, it's only natural and, you know, based off of what races you've watched in the past, you might have seen some kind of freak accident happen or, yeah. you know, people get injured and even other sports and you're like, you know, it's in the back of your mind, like, could that happen to me? Of course, you know, something could happen to me, but it, do you let it drive you? Uh, as far as, as, as myself, no, I never, I never really thought twice about it, to be honest. Um, you know, I never really overthought it or, you know, kind of put myself into, you know, a position where um, I, I purposely thought about it more than I should. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's definitely a fear uh, associated with injury. And um, I think it's not until you get injured, you realize the brevity of, of what it can do to you, not only just as, you know, as an athlete, um, take you out of the sport, you know, for months or, or years, whatever, however long it is, um, but also as a person um, and just how it changes you and, you know, helps you reflect on, on life and, and what it is. So how important is it to just kind of drive through and work through the fear in, in anything you do, whether it's in a competitive sport or in life in general, how important is it for you to overcome fear and work through it rather than let it drive your life? Yeah, it's one of the, I guess, foundations or principles that I live by. Um, you know, I think in whatever you're doing, if you let fear drive you, you're not going to take action, right? And, and that life is all about taking action. Um, even if you go out um, and fail, um, you're, you're taking a positive step towards something. So I, I think fear is just one of those factors that people let 
or like let prevent them from 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 moving ahead in life and getting mm-hmm. getting better. It can paralyze you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, with with injuries specifically, it's it's one of those things. Like the more injuries you go through, um, the harder it gets to get back on track and get yourself motivated again. But at the same time, it's like, why why even live if you're not um, you know positively progressing for sure so, for yeah. sure that's a great great way to look at it yeah. um before we I mean, we're going to get into what happened to you here in just a second but before we do we explain to anyone listening to this um what your equipment looks like you know just some of the dimensions of it what it looks like so mentally we can kind of visualize what it is that hurt you when you went down yeah great uh great place to start so we have uh custom carbon fiber uh speed skate boots so these things are hand molded you go into um you know house or, or wherever um you know that the boot maker either lives or works and then they take a mold of your foot and they wrap basically carbon around it create a boot and these things are run you anywhere when I was skating, anywhere from you know fifteen hundred to thirty five hundred bucks a pair. Um, you can go through a pair, you know, once a year. Some people do that. You can go through them once every ten years. Just depends on how they feel and how long they last you. But um, with your aggressive skating, as much as you did, and when you compete uh, uh, at the level that you did, was it usually a, a every year? You had for me, it, it's it's wild because I could have, but I just latched on to this first pair that I that I that I, that I had made for me. Um, there was actually from uh, South Korea, so I went over there, got molded for them, and they were just like the magic boot for me. And I wound up skating a majority of my career on them. Can, can you just replace the blade and, yes. and just keep the boot? Yes. So the boot, so that's that boot is then attached. Um, by two what are called cups and they're metal um and they they grab onto a a blade that is it and it's fixed onto the boot and this blade is anywhere from 16 to 18 i believe people are skating on like 19 inch 20 inch blades nowadays but 17 and a half inches long where was my blade and 1.1 millimeter thick um, so it just show, goes to show you, it's almost like a knife. It's long and it's thin. And it's like you're skating on butcher blade, uh, like uh, like a chef knife. Chef knife. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what it, it is. Oh. Um, and you know, at those speeds, it's you know things happen <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, that's that's what makes up our equipment. Everything else, um, uh, you know, we have a skin suit, we have helmet, we have uh, skin gloves. suit is kind of like a, a one piece body suit. Exactly. It, it's it's um, like if you if you watch track and field, um, you know, obviously you have you know kind of short cutoffs for the arms. Imagine if that thing just continued all the way. Um, it's, it's, you know, tight. And then you also have pads on your knees and then shin guards, um, uh, but, but not much but else. Yeah. So. And no protective gear to protect you from injury. I mean, it's just that suit yep. that's a millimeter thick, yep. if that, yep. and uh, definitely is not built for warmth. Not I mean, at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it just depends on what country you come from. Some countries like, like for example, Canada, um, they skated in a cut proof skin suit, um, since I can remember. And the U S skin suit didn't have one built in at the time where, when I was injured, this was back in 2009. So mm-hmm. it was just literally spandex. Um, and we thought we were always like, okay, well, why wear cut proof? Like nobody's really getting cut. Because uh, we just hadn't seen one in a long time. Do do does everyone wear a, a cut proof one now? Well, after I got injured, yes, they made it a rule in the U.S. I don't know if it's international, but everybody else does. Yeah, everybody wears. See what you started. Cut proof skin oh <laughs> Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Leave it to me. Yeah. So. No kidding. Yeah. You set that standard. Yeah. Ugh. So. But uh, yeah, I mean, so if you can imagine this thing. Um, you know, this blade, um, that we're skating on, it's, it's sharp. Um, and you know, this, this brings me back to the injury. This is a 2009 Olympic trials. Um, and where, where were you? We were in Marquette, Michigan, and this is about five months away from my first would be my first Olympics in Vancouver. And, um, you know, you train all year, yeah. all summer, you get ready for this competition, this Olympic trials. They only choose five men and five women. 
And um, if you're lucky, you get to skate uh, the individual races. And, and if not, sometimes you just sit there at the Olympics or you just are able to skate the team event. And um, fortunately, I had qualified my spot in two individual events already. So I qualified in the 1500 meter and the 1000 meter. Mm -hmm. And it was the last day of Olympic trials. And um, I was skating in the 500 meter, which is our fastest event. A total sprint. Total sprint from the start. It's like the 100 meter in track. Yeah. Um, so right off the gun, you, you try to skate as fast as you can to the finish. And um, I was about a lap in, I was in the lead. Um, and sorry, a lap, uh, I was in the lead, a lap away from the finish. Oh my gosh, so close. So close. And I went down by myself. I hit a rut in the ice. And this, a rut is really, you just describe it as ice chipping away uh, from your blade, which prevents uh, your blade from kind of sticking into the ice. Yeah. So I broke away. My blade came out from under me. I slide into the boards and where we're skating at, there's, you know, kind of, I would say maybe 10 inch pads. And then behind that is a hockey board. And behind that hockey board is concrete and, um, not very good. <laughs> like if, if you're looking at the safety of our sport now, it's far advanced from that. We, we don't even usually allow competitions without what's called a boardless pad system now, which is when the boards, when you hit them, they flex and they actually move Thank goodness. to prevent that hard mm. impact. But anyways, I hit the pad, bounced off probably 10 feet back into the middle of the track and um, didn't, like initially didn't really think of much of it. I was like, oh man, I just fell, that sucks. Like I might have jeopardized my position, you know, to skate in individually in this 500 yeah, meter. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I was going through my mind and then I looked down and I literally see the tip of my blade the front six six and a half inches of my blade sticking straight into my my femur or my my my, my uh my quad muscle and uh look down just like that doesn't look normal at all i think i should get it out of there or something so i pulled it out and i looked down again and i just see this i described it um still describe it like this kind of like just like a rainbow assortment of colors in my thigh I've never seen anything like that before, and um, I'll get a little graphic here. I'm, no, it's I'm okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's uh, go for it. But it, it's just um, there, there. There's no blood initially, and it's just you can I can see the different layers, you know, fascia, muscle, tissue, all these different things in my leg, and then I can see all the way to my femur bone. Um, and and did it lacerate the femoral artery too? I nicked it, um, and. It uh, fortunately, I did not sever it, sever it or, or lacerate that. And um, the, the doctors, in, in, you know, after the fact, told me if I did, I probably wouldn't have been around to tell the story. No, that's for my, sure. My unless you had like 180 a, beats per minute. And, oh yeah. Uh, uh, you know, if you cut that clean in half, it's like a horror movie type. Horror, of, uh, yes, and 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 yeah. um, and it was halfway down your thigh, right? Yeah. Yep. So somebody would have been thinking super fast to put a tourniquet on the top of your leg to try and stop that, but exactly. it's hard when it's an artery. Yeah, and uh, you know it, what's crazy is okay, so I, I, you know, I'm looking at this. My parents realize that I'm cut, and my whole family, my whole family, like meaning my parents, my brothers, my extended family. Uh, everybody uh, is in the stands directly in the section behind me. So, so they like could up close and see you. They can look and see. Oh it. my gosh. So, you know, family starts screaming. Um, but one of my teammates actually had the intuition and, and, and like thought, uh, thought about it when he saw me fall to jump onto the ice. He ran out there. His name's Walter Rusk took his shirt off in the process and threw a tourniquet on my leg. How cool is that? And then, yeah, it's amazing. And then, uh, they count, I actually, um, they, they counted, it, you know, the seconds it took for the paramedic to get from his seat to me. And it was something like 35 or 40 seconds. And Walter was out there immediately. So it's oh, just, thank goodness. Yeah. Well, so. you know, it's almost like I want, listeners to know that if you want to see this, you can go to YouTube and bring up J.R. Selsky and um, 
accident in what 2009 year? Olympic trials. You just type in Jaroselski cut. I'm sure it'll get you there. Yes. And then, and, and seriously watch this because it's really kind of interesting that everyone's like in shock because as you slid to a stop on the ice and you're trying to get your bearings, figure out what's going on. It's like no one had ever seen anything like that before. It, it was the, probably the most graphic, horrible cut of that sport ever yeah yeah there's been a there's been a few a handful um but yeah i mean i think just given the situation of it was just it was just dramatic because it was olympic trials Um, yes you know we're picking our olympic team there's the stadium's full um and i think it was just a situation um there's been a handful of of really close calls um but uh, you know this is probably one of the more memorable ones because it was it was live, you know, it was on NBC. People were watching this thing. Yeah, you know, just yeah. the brevity of the situation. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was so many emotions just flying around there. Your parents were probably scared to death. Um, and and honestly, this is a, uh, the podcast is a close call with death. This could have cost you your life. Yep. In, from this injury, Definitely. and not just uh, this is a setback. It's it just an injury. You know, it might take a week or so to heal, and you'll be back in action. This could have killed you. Mm-hmm. And and what went through your mind? I know you were a little bit trying to grab onto what in the world that just happened that didn't, it was kind of surreal and everything. Then what goes through your mind after you realize how bad this was? What, what happened at that point? I, I think I immediately started thinking about the fact that I probably wasn't going to race in the Olympics and I was short of my goal short of my dreams you know the thing that I I had told myself I was going to do for the last you know at that point it had been seven or eight years um so I was just like it's over you know Uh, that's over and then you know the second thought was like am I even going to be able to skate let alone walk again right um I had no idea I'd never suffered an injury like you know usually people break their bones and I'd broken it you know couple bones and you know you sprain your ankle and you know uh i just a cut it's just not a very common thing to have happened to you um so i just didn't know what was what was happening um and it's like you severed your quad right now (laughs) oh my gosh it's huge yeah and um, would it even grow together again exactly and so they put me on the stretcher get me in the ambulance and um the funny story my brother tells me is he's just like paralyzed from this like he's he's watching his little bro you know yeah he doesn't know what's gonna happen either um and you know they're they get in the car and they follow the ambulance and the ambulance doesn't even turn on the emergency uh lights it's not even going through the intersections it's like literally stopping at no way light and my brother's sitting there just like pulling his hair out I bet, like, like go go you on? idiot get him to the hospital yes yeah so um finally we get there and they tell me that the doctor it was a Saturday um and the doctor that performs like surgery like that and repairs uh, injuries like that was on call he wasn't even at the hospital so had to get him on the phone had we're in Marquette Michigan we're in the UP you know just a small little town and uh had to get him on the phone you know had to get he had to get in his car drive over there by the time I got to the hospital from the time I got to the hospital to the time that he started working on me, it was about an hour Oh, and they can't give you any type of medication to, to kill the pain or anything. No like way. That because, uh, if they do, you know, I have a laceration, so it thins your blood. Yes. And you can bleed to death, bleed to death. So I was sitting there with this huge cut, just not knowing what's going on. My skin stu- suit is still on me. Like literally the nurse came in and she's like, we're gonna have to take this off, cut the whole skin suit off. Me. Oh my gosh. Um, my mother's sitting there in the hospital room with me, my, my coach. Um, and I'm just, it's not even the pain that's shaking me. It's the fact that I keep thinking about that. I'm short of my goal still. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I just, I, whatever I got this huge cut on my leg like it's it was second thought to me at that point my first was just I can't I'm devastated because I it goes your career yeah yeah so oh my um, gosh you were qualifying for the Olympics and you were leading that that race mm -hmm. oh yeah it was uh kind of all-time low um you know sitting in that that room 
um, you know, the doctor came in. I asked him to snap a pic uh, <laughs> before he worked on it. Nice. I wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, Do you still have that picture? Making, oh, I keep it on my phone. I'm super proud of it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the yeah, rainbow. I, yeah, exactly. Ga- gaping wound. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he, he stitches me up and explains to me. He does a great job, by the way. Um, and he uh, explains to me that they can't stitch the muscle belly so like the the major like the 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 main part of your muscle because it would be like trying to stitch together uh, a raw steak uh, after it's cut it just it you can't do it uh, it needs to repair itself over time so mm-hmm. they stitch everything around you just it. have to have it close enough to where it touches itself and the cells will just kind of adhere to each other exactly and then it just kind of fuses together and repairs that's mind blowing how right? that works the body's amazing but it was cru- crucial and critical that you got your care as soon as possible before that tissue died mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of time right. before the tissue would start to uh, lack oxygen and be able to heal right yeah yeah luckily it was only an hour and not five. Oh my <laughs> gosh yes <laughs> like, like yeah it was like not the dead of winter and oh. i couldn't get get somebody out there yeah, yeah i got lucky um for sure and uh yeah i mean so five months i'm sitting there and um you know i'm like there i think i counted myself out first um as did i'm sure most people um but my mother and um you know, my, my, my mother, he, she's like, she looked at me in that room and she's like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Um, did that sink in? Did it give you the comfort that you needed? I, I, it did something. Um, and you know, if I would have seen, if I would have looked at my mom and she would have been, you know, (laughs) screaming, you know, like freaking out too in that room, uh, it probably would have been different for me, but she was calm. She was composed. She looked at me and she said, you're going to be okay. And, um, did she truly feel that inspiration, you know, that, Hey, you know what, this is going to be okay. Or is she just super positive and knew you needed that as her son in a a crisis moment, she needed to be a cool mom and give you the strength you needed. Yeah. Um, my mom's amazing. She, um, she's been there ever since the start in my career. And I think, um, you know, she, she'll testify this and, you know, maybe in that moment, um, you know, it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit of, I need to be supportive for him but i i honestly believe that she 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 thought i was gonna be fine she thought i was gonna whatever fine look like whatever that was you know was i was possible or i was capable of doing yeah if, that, if that's just getting back on my feet if that's putting a skin suit on and racing again or if that's winning an olympic medal i think you know she just had that kind of profound belief in me so that's so cool yeah yeah she just helped you emotionally just uh you know gain the strength that you needed what about your dad yeah i think um yeah he he was he he took a little bit i think longer than my mother um you know and and not not he he was he's i think he was just processing he's he's more realistic Mm -hmm. with the situation he's like you know like there's this is crazy you know like i don't i don't know i think um but he he never doubted me either you know he he um just like my mother they always had that that undying belief in me um and i needed that like that was really the foundation of what helped me get back on my feet and start believing in myself again um you know the i would assume that my coaches and uh, teammates and everybody was like, this kid's out. Like, we'll probably never even see him skate again, you know? And, um, but my family was really the people, or, you know, I, I rallied around them. So. I totally wanted to ask you about that. You know, your support group, who was that? Who came to the charge and, and would you like to say anything to them? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. My mother and father, of course, um, both of my brothers, Chris and David, um, looked up to them my whole life they've always been there for me um and then you know at the time um my my both of my grandmas were around um who have uh you know passed in recent years um but they um they were also like the rock in 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 my family and you know i always looked to them for guidance and they um you know the, the 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 matriarchs of the family they um they held it down for us <laughs> forever. And then uh, my extended family, I, we're all really close. Um, got a ton of aunts and uncles and, and cousins. and Cool family. Uh, cool family, yeah. Really cool family. Yeah. So. Well, you know, from a monetary perspective, um, your parents put a lot of money into you. Um, just they work hard and they, and they 
to just spent so much money on lessons and and gear and clothing and time and, and all this stuff in the school everything also was pivotal at the moment that where they could see all that go down in in uh, one blade oh yeah and so talk yeah. about that uh, yeah. just how how do people get through that yeah i i that's a great question i never really really I, I guess I have thought about that from, from time to time, but, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, I was, I was literally like, a not an experiment. I don't want to say an ex experiment, but I was like, um, you know, this, uh, we were called the, it was called the family project, you know, yeah, so it was like yeah. trying, trying to get, you know, their son onto the Olympic team and, mm -hmm. you know, into a position where he could maybe medal. And, uh, you're right. There's a ton of resources that go into that. Um, you know, everything from bringing me to practice, you know, from the time I started skating and getting up at those early hours and making sure that I was getting to the right competitions and getting to practice and buying the right equipment and, you know, always being up to date on, on, on that equipment that always kind of, you know, over time gets better and better. You need to update it. Um, you know, flying me out to competitions, uh, moving me to Southern California um, with my older brother, you know, paying for me to, 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 to live down there and train. Um, you know, there's a ton that goes into it. And fortunately I didn't make them pay for my college. <laughs> I was able to, to do that after yeah. the fact, but, um, yeah, no, it, they, they did a lot for me and, uh, I could, I could never thank them enough for that. That's so cool back for that. Yeah. So. Well, you know what, it, it's, uh, it's really a, an act of unconditional love uh, that they've demonstrated to you. How has that influenced you as you now t talk about your family? You're expecting, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are expecting a little boy in August. So uh, a couple months away from now and um, super excited. Um, yeah, it's it's just one of those moments of realization. And I'm sure I'll have this more, you know, as time goes on and, and when he's born. But I just I can't wait to instill those values and help raise uh, the way my parents raise me um, you know obviously drawing inspiration from that but just from what I've learned over my lifetime and just you know embedding that information and knowledge in, in the kid in hopes that um, you know he'll, he'll go on to do great things you know and whatever that is uh, whatever that might be um, he'll have my full support because I knew how important it was for my parents to support me with what I wanted to do. See, that's so cool. That's a great attitude because so many people, probably 90% of the people that put a lot of time and money into the children anticipate them to get involved with the sport, stay out of trouble, keep busy. But some of them really rise to the top and start becoming champions in their sport. And the parent can see it. Some feel like it's a waste of everything they've ever put into it if they don't become a champion or win an event. What would you say to those people that are parents out there that that um, just want to help the kid? How important is it truly for them to become a champion or how important is it for them just to be involved and do the best they can? And maybe they'll never be a champion, but at least they tried. I, that's a great question. And um, I think my mind first jumps to, um, you know, building character, building relationships. Um, and obviously I can't speak to this as a parent yet, but I think through my journey to the Olympics, um, it, we built a strong bond together as a family um, with my parents. And, um, you know, obviously they wanted me to do well. They wanted me to win and um, probably stress them out a ton if I wasn't. Um, but at the same time, it was it was um, it was one of those things that we went through together as a family that will have those memories and will cherish forever. And, you know, and I think that's the most important thing is living in the moment regardless of what happens in terms of results, you can't really control that at the end of the day. You can only put yourself in, uh, in your, in your kids in as best of a situation as they can be in, um, you know, wh whatever that looks like. But, um, I think, you know, just, just, just honestly talking, I think it's just more about being in the moment, you know, expecting, um, not expecting too much and just, you know, just enjoying it, you know, enjoying the ride and, and, um, you know, living every, every day and, and every moment as if, um, you're never going to get that back again. You know, I, I think for that's, sure. that's, that's so super important to me. And, you know, I think for any parent that's, that's looking at a 
<laughs> you know, at their kid, like, okay, here's X amount of dollars I'm going to have to spend or X amount of time I'm going to have to spend in an ice rink or, you know, X amount of money I'm going to have to spend on gas or whatever it is, you know, I think um, all that really pales in comparison to, to you know, the moment where you, you, you know, I was able to, to hug my mom and dad at the end and thank oh, them for, so for, for everything. Yes, did, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, and then that's got to be just the proudest moment for them yeah. that you reached your goal yeah. and then you were able to really excel and do what you'd set your mind to and that you put that goal on your fingertips and you stared at it every day and worked so hard right. for hours a day to apply yourself. Um, some people just don't even realize the amount of dedication you have to put into um, winning at the elite level that you were at. And um, talk about that a little bit about what kind of real training time do you have to put into something because you don't just start and in and, and two months go to the Olympics and try and win a medal. Talk about what got you there, what kind of training it takes. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, it was a grind. Um, I guess the best way to put it, that's, that's the word I'll use because it just, it was, it wasn't all, um, it wasn't all like, I don't know. It wasn't all success. You know, you see that picture of the iceberg and you see the, the, the tip and then you see everything below it. Yeah. That's, ex that's exactly what it was. Um, it was years and years of, of learning and educating myself and deading, really dedicating um, myself to the sport, to the cause, to my goal. Um, and, and through that, there was a lot of trial, trials and tribulations and um, a lot of trial and error. You know, I started when I was a young kid and you know so it was it was realizing that I wanted to do it for myself and not for anybody else first you know realizing that it wasn't my parents goal it wasn't my family's goal it wasn't my coach's goal it was my goal um, and then from there you know having that true drive uh, to be better and to be a good athlete and actually setting goals for myself you know what on that JR has it always been your goal or was there a time when it was someone else's goal, but then it transitioned into yours? It, you know, I, it's a good question. I mean, it might, I guess it just depends on what goal we're talking about. But as far as the 2010 Olympics and me going out and winning a medal, that was, that was my goal that I, I, you know, maybe my parents had a little influence on that. Yeah. And they, you know, they're like, that'd be a good, you know, that'd be awesome. But, um, no, I truly had to believe that that was my goal for me to actually go out there and do it. So I love uh, that. Yeah. I love that. So in anything you do in life, if you just truly don't just think about something for the day, but think about it every single day um, and that, you know, things can come true if you work hard enough at it. And, yeah. you know, they say you can do anything, but it, for some people, they may not be an astronaut. They may not make it and they want to and think it would be cool, yeah. but they um, just don't have the, the I don't know, the, the wherewithal to, to reach that level of a profession. Yeah. But, but you never know when you might find something else you can fall in love with along the way that, yeah. that may detour. The path goes in a different direction. You can absolutely excel and do something cool in pursuit of something else. Right. Yes. And, you know... Obviously, um, reality is a thing, um, but don't let reality take the, the wind out of your sails, um, you know, and, and because if, if people let that happen, there would be no, nobody successful out, out there in the world, you know, and, yeah. and I think most successful people will tell you that they, they, have, they have a goal, they made a plan, they stuck with it long enough to see it come true, right? And mm -hmm. um, I think that's, it's a beautiful thing in itself. And, um, it, life is not all, you know, beautiful. Right. And, um, it, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. And, um, I think for me in, in my sport in particular, it just, it took a lot of, um, I guess, you know, free will to just put myself into, into situations where I struggled um, and into situations where I would get frustrated because I, I wasn't the best, I wasn't good. Um, you know, kind of continually putting myself into positions where I struggled, but with the ultimate goal of improving 
myself and I think that I look back and and it was it was years of that it was years of literally just struggling in practice you know uh pulling my hair out because uh you know the night before a competition I didn't feel good and just you know like you have to take that first step and yeah um, I think that's what it's all about is is having a plan and then taking action you know without action it's just it's just a, it's just a thought it's just a plan an idea and with those actionable steps you actually start to see the progress towards something absolutely so. you'll never get anywhere even close to your goals if you don't at least take action and, and get going exactly yeah i love that well um as we close i'd like to know um how you're different today than you were before the accident yeah that's a great question i think um well, first of all, I know what it feels like to get cut yeah. <laughs> like, deep. Um, is that, extri- you know, and this kind of really gory, but like, is it super sharp? Is it dull? Is it achy? How in the world did you deal with a cut that large um, until they were able to really get you some painkiller and stuff? Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's funny because I don't even remember the pain um, uh, initially all I really remember, like the most painful moment that I had was they, they had to stitch me up, obviously, and they left those stitches in for about two months. Oh, and a gosh. Half. And then in order to get them out, they had to like re-break the skin for each of those stitches. And I had a lot of them in there. I had 60 in total, but not nearly as many on the surface, obviously. But that was... Um, I think it was just, um, you know, the pain of not being able to bend my, my knee, but then having a time frame where I had to get back on my feet. It was rushed. Um, I, I only had five months to get back on my feet in order to get back to the Olympics. Yeah. And, um, so it was just rushing that, you know, like obviously letting it heal, but then, you know, um, getting my knee to a point where I could actually bend it far enough to get on the ice again. So that was really painful in itself is just the progress that I had to make in that short amount of time and then kind of being forced into doing that. So where'd you go for your physical therapy? Yeah, I was in Colorado Springs, uh, oh, the Olympic Training Center. Yes, they have a special unit there for injured athletes, right? Yes, yeah, so well, they have. They just have a great sports med clinic there, uh, run by great people. Um, I worked with uh, a ton of great people at the time. It was Dr. Bill Moreau, and um, I had a bunch of athletic trainers working with me. The one that worked with me in particular, her name was Jenna, and. Um, yeah, they were oh. amazing, amazing. Um, nothing short of amazing, and um, we're lucky to have that resource in the U.S. Uh, as Olympic athletes. Have so. you talked to any of them since you recovered and you accomplished what you did? Yeah, I have, yeah, because I, I, w- I went to uh, a couple more Olympics after my first one, and um, we'll just, you know, they always look at me with a smile and just because they remember too, you know, it's just one of those situations for them where they're, you know, it, it, they, oh. they, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't see it until you do it. Type right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe it. I, I bet it. they're mind blown, you yeah. know, now, so I would be an idiot if I didn't bring this up, um, because we're so close to the end, but I want you to talk to me about what happened once you healed, what did you go on to wind up doing yeah. after you healed? So I, I, my, my leg healed. How long did that take? It took me about a month and a half to walk. It took me two and a half months to get back on the ice. And then I had another two and a half months to get back to the Olympics. Um, I was scared when I first got back on the ice. And um, that was just one of those things we had to talk. We talked about like getting over the fear of getting cut again was, was a huge mental hurdle for and me. Do you have a specialist that works with the team that knows how to get you over that mental hurdle? hurdle? Yeah, we, yeah, we have sports psychologists. Yeah. And, you know, you work with them and, you know, they do as best they can to help you get over it. But at the end of the day, you're out there you know by yourself and uh I fell a couple times and it wasn't close calls it was just practice but um my my team actually had a couple races for me that weren't planned um you know so after I got back so I could just get back into the routine and rhythm and and just get back into the mindset of racing again and and just knowing what I was getting back into so um yeah I had two and a half months of of practice and then I stepped on the ice five like five months after the day i got cut. only and five months yeah at the olympics and did you um, ever think you could get to that olympic no way event. no way i mean 
uh, at first, no. Um, but then, you know, as I started seeing the progress, I started believing like in I can do more. this. I yeah, get I in started there. believing myself more. I had my teammates, my coaches. They all, you know, supported me. They all had my back, and uh, I think um, you, you, everybody really lifted me up in that moment. And um, to the point where I, yeah, I stepped on the ice uh, five months later for 1500 meter and uh, went out there and won Olympic bronze. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, and I, I think it's so amazing. So hopefully people go back and and look at that YouTube video of that race and realize what you went through, how you almost lost the ability to even walk. You rehabbed, you got back, and you skated in the Olympics you thought you were going to miss, and you still medaled. That just is mind-blowing. And it just shows how much grit you have, how much determination and gut will you had to to fulfill your dream. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. And I couldn't have done that with obviously my my support system the people around me and and really just believing just down to my core that i could go out there and do it so yeah yeah. well you did it yeah in closing any final thoughts um you have for me i uh, i appreciate you having me on the show it it really takes me back to that moment and um you know i i don't necessarily like to brag or boast i'm just i'm just not set up that way Um, um but it brings me back to a moment where I can be proud of in my life. And, um, I appreciate you letting me tell my story. Yeah. You're more than welcome. And I appreciate you being here. And, um, as I always say at the end of my podcast, um, that, um, I just really appreciate you being here and for taking the time of reflection, letting us share in your experience. So, um, becoming a part of your journey ultimately impacts ours. So, Seriously, JR, thank you so much for being on the show. And may God bless you. And I hope that you continue doing really well as you go forward in your life. And congratulations on your new baby boy coming. And uh, in August, I hope everything works out awesome for you. And I hope that baby we wind up seeing in the Olympics here in Utah when it comes. (laughs) It'd be super cool. Thank you, Bob. Take take care, bud. Take care.